welcome to Uncommunity uh, podcast where I chat with uh, sit with community builders creators to learn about community building. Uh, I I learn and we kind of get it get it and share it with you so that our listeners can also get some benefits out of this. So today I have John uh, who is a long time community builder and he has a really really interesting story about what he has been doing since 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 long time so welcome welcome on board welcome to the show john hey thanks mohammed appreciate it yeah so uh, just uh, to just to for for our listeners uh, just uh, introduce like what I ha- what you have been doing uh, and 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 yeah let's just get started yeah so appreciate it. I'll give you a very quick high level. I've, I've done this many times, so hopefully we won't waste anyone's time. My name is John. I am almost 38. I'll be 38 in a month or so, so I'm getting close to 40. So I've been around for a while. I've, I've seen him quite a bit. Uh, I've been a software engineer for 22 years. I started working in a Fortune 500 when I was 15. I've been married 15 years. I have a 14-year-old a almost 10 year old and a three-year-old boy i have two graduate degrees one in education that's a common theme and thread very important to me um it's just continually learning i have built a countless number of software projects um, over the years worked for big companies fortune 500s but also started my own indie projects like uh a small Mac OS app that won best apps of the year from Apple two years in a row. So I've been had some really neat independent successes, but then I've also raised uh, millions of venture capital and sold my companies to Fortune 500s as well. So I've, I've been there, done it, done that. It's been really fun. I've had an unbelievable career, and I'm so grateful for it. I, there's still so much raw potential with the internet. And this is this is essentially all I'm going to keep doing is just building for the internet. Interesting. So, what's your what's your? Uh, I mean, you've been a software engineer for uh, for a long time, and then you have been doing indie projects and stuff. But you have also been involved in building newsletters, uh, building communities, and I, I I read somewhere in in one of your your blogs you said uh, community building is your obsession. Right. Uh, yes. And yeah, that it'd be great, great to hear like what what it has been like. How did it start? Oh, I'm I'm not entirely sure. Like you know, it, it's kind of like asking someone like, why are you obsessed about some esoteric topic, right, or or whatever. It's like God, just I was born that way. Um, I'm just I'm crazy fascinated and curious about how data is transferred and shared between people on the internet and how we create meaning. Like it's just if you actually think about it in this most fundamental way, we're just passing data across cable lines, and yet we change people's lives. That's fucking crazy. Um, and so ever since I locked in on that at a very early age with Telnet and BBS boards, and I was just like, man, this is so crazy that you can you can connect with folks all from anywhere and have real, authentic, genuine relationships. Uh, one of the coolest things I think now 
after being a, a citizen of the internet for, for so long, I have more friends um, via the internet than I do having met in real person uh, offline. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my best friends, some of my best friends, I have ne- actually never physically met. And I think that's just so fucking cool. Um, and, the, and the idea that that's going to, that's only accelerating, it's, it's wonderful. It makes the world an incredibly, uh, a much smaller place, a much more meaningful place. Uh, and it means that we can do a lot more good for a lot more people. So I've, I, I have loved watching that grow over the last 20 years. I, I love it. I've never heard this before. Citizens of the internet, right? So that's yeah. like, like it's, it's, it's like internet has become its own, like its own world kind of thing. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't learn the birds and the bees off the, the bathroom stall, you know, in the boys room, right? I learned it on the internet. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Right. So, uh, John, uh, tell us, like, uh, uh, tell us about your newsletter. Uh, you have just recently launched a newsletter. Uh, uh, it's related to community building, and we have been very, very consistent on a daily basis. You have been, you have been putting content out there. So, so what is the what is the idea behind launching a newsletter, and and why like because what happens to in today's like like we have been seeing a lot of newsletters and so i'd like it'd be very interesting to hear like why why newsletter yeah so i i'm i think i was doing another interview the other day and so this topic came up mm-hmm. but it's, it's always fascinating because folks are like you know newsletters are are you know the idea the general the gist of it is like newsletters are a big deal today the problem is i'm just so old that I've seen the cycles of newsletter technology a, a couple times now. And it's cool today, but it was also cool literally uh, 10 years ago. And so I wrote and started my first consistent email newsletter more than 10 years ago. And a pers- I have a personal email newsletter that has uh, almost 19,000 readers. So I've been doing this for a long time. So... You know, so it's just, I think it's just funny that I, I have now lived long enough to see these cycles of, of interest come and go. And right now, it, you know, it's in vogue again, and that's really exciting. But it never really went out of style either, um, because people like me have consistently published newsletters for more than 10 years. Now, I've recently started a new one, um, which is fun, because I haven't started a new, a net new email newsletter in a long time. So there's a lot of new technologies, there's a lot of new workflows, mm-hmm. a lot of new ideas around how to do a newsletter well. And so what's neat is I'm able to apply the, the historicity, the, my experience writing newsletters and launching them, but now also combine that with these new, newer forms of technologies. So it's been really, really fun to do that. What's also nice is I'm... I have the benefit of experience as well. So not only am I able to think a little bit more broadly and more sophisticated about my newsletter, how I want to use it, how I want to design it, the workflows and the publishing schedules, but I I have a little bit more of a realistic expectation of goals Mm -hmm. and how I tie a newsletter and the mechanics of writing content 
and then directing that into a very discrete path toward either product or sales or some sort of transaction. Yep. So business logic, um, whereas, which is where ultimately um, you land with a newsletter. The reason you have a newsletter is to ultimately drive business. So money from your reader's pocket into your pocket at some point in time. Yep. There's so many different ways to do that. And I think there are some best practices around how you format that ask, so to speak. Um, in fact, the best newsletters never actually ask. Um, you earn their trust through creating value. But yeah, so newsletters are still here. They're, um, they, they were here 10 years ago. They're here today. Um, and I think everyone who is, especially who's running a business, an online business, should, should be using one. I think uh, yeah, I've, uh, it's right. Like you, like even even building committees was cool back in the day, but now it's just like the uh, people just realize it. Like uh, a lot, a larger part of the internet just discovered this. Okay, oh, it's cool, right? So that's the same thing with newsletters. Like you have been doing it for like like yeah. 10, more than ten years, and like a larger portion of internet just realized it. Oh, it's there is something called newsletter, and then there's a, there are tools that are just popping up every every like day every week uh, Substack. i think I, I think it was i think i think the majority of the success i think should be gone to Substack because uh like the moment they, they have launched, a great they, yeah they have yeah. a great tool i mean i migrated i great migrated my my big personal newsletter from and got a, a legacy mailchimp account um earlier this not earlier this year was it earlier this year Maybe late last year, I can't remember. Because um, they just had a, a much better interface, a much better kind of transactional um, newsletter system than, than Mailchimp. And Mailchimp's been around for God a long time. I, I know a lot of the uh, the folks inside Mailchimp, in fact, because I used to live in Atlanta, and that's where they're headquartered. Yeah. Amazing HQ, by the way. Um, <laughs> my and my um, my assistant soccer coach. I used to coach soccer, but my assistant soccer coach was um, the head of the QA team, technical QA team. God, that is going way back. I'm so fucking old. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. like the, the it's the platform that are give that are giving opportunities to everyone to start their own own stuff. Like I think I think that's it. That's the that's the end uh, kind of goal of these platforms, giving everyone opportunity to build something or do something, right? Uh, so, like, uh, I mean, now that we are talking about tools, so I've been following you since I think for the last few months, and you have, like, you are exploring a lot of tools, like, and so, what, like, where did that come from? Like, what's and and is it is are these tools uh, just is it just an ex experiment that you you just try and learn, like, what are, what are they building, or 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 do you actually use these? Oh. Um, so yeah, I think there are a number of questions in that question. Um, so for context, I think what you're referencing for the, for your listeners is I share, uh, in one Slack channel, like a lot of tools and resources yeah. that I encounter, um, every day. I, I literally, I, if, if I, if I reported everything that I found every day, I would not have any, I would never do any work. I love finding new tools, and I try almost all of them. Um, the reason is threefold. The first is I just like trying new shit. I just like 
I'm an early adopter um, in pretty much every way, shape, and form. Uh, whatever you know, folks uh, mean by or being an early adopter. I just I just love testing things. But secondly, it's how I understand the world. It's how I understand what people value and where people's time and attention is going. And thirdly, of course, very uh, tightly correlated with number two, is that creates business opportunity. Knowing what's happening in the market, and especially the products that are resonating with a larger and growing market, is essentially competitive research and analysis, which every entrepreneur and startup founder should be doing anyway. As you need to be understanding your space. You need to be an expert. There shouldn't be anyone better than you. And you should know everything as much as you possibly can. Because the more you know, the more broader context you have for the inputs, the outputs, the auxiliary opportunities, like the sister and you know relationships that may exist with other industries and verticals and marketplaces. You'll understand the intricacies of how they interoperate, right? And you can see just statistically, you know, even in the last 30 days, for instance, just because I see it on my radar, you see a, you see essentially a foretaste of the future. In the last 90 days, the amount of video enabled tools has skyrocketed. Anyone who's paying any attention would know that. What does that mean? Well, it means that the big players are probably taking opportunities to look into that space heavily. And guess what? Yesterday, just yesterday, we saw Zoom announce Zaps, right? Which is their essentially integrated event experience marketplace. So startups all across the world just shat their pants because <laughs> Zoom, being now a publicly traded company, and having to stay on the cutting edge, is now taking up a larger market share in an obvious growing market. And you would have seen that six months ago, you know, or even nine months ago. So it's important. No, it's, it's more than important. It's imperative for a founder to be as deep into their industry as possible if you want to solve a problem effectively. Um, I just, that's just, yeah, that's just what I believe. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, Zoom, they just did, they did just, I think they also did uh, some something related to events and meetup.com, eventbrite.com. Like they did. Yeah, yeah. They did zaps and the event, the event stuff recently. Yeah. And it's just like, that's going to, that's going to be amazing. That, that is the future is being able to sign up for all these events and for creators to create, be able to create easy events for easy registration, even easy payment, easy yeah. scheduling. Yeah. But you, but again, you would have seen that nine months ago, 12 months ago, as things started to really pick up. And yeah. that's, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. I think even these founders who's, who's, who built like apps on the, on top of zoom, they might have asked, they might have like, someone might have asked this question, like what if zoom did that? What if zoom does that? Like what is your market share right now? Right. So, and, and even after, even after doing that, they might have got funding from VCs, so it's because there's a, there's a it's it's a big market and uh, like a lot of players can exist. Yeah, I mean, I won't. I'll just be very. I'll be transparent, <laughs> as I I am want to do. I use the growth of an existing API marketplace platform as an entree to create a lot of um, 
opportunity around a venture raise. It, when Slack had just announced their kind of enterprise marketplace, um, myself and my two founders for a previous company started building Slack bots um, as kind of essentially a demo of our core technology during, um, for our pitch. And I went on to raise actually, well, that we raised 16 million total, but in the seed round, we raised a little bit more than three and Slack invested about a quarter million from their, their first inaugural Slack fund. And that was because of that, uh, that gravitational force around the new Slack kind of enterprise marketplace. Truth be told, we actually never built a Slack bot to production, but it was enough to help, you know, warrant a conversation, more than warrant a conversation, than ultimately an investment. And so I see the same thing happening with Zoom. It's like Zoom will open its marketplace, great, whatever it's called, Zaps. A lot of folks will use that as a play for raising venture capital, totally legit. But there's no guarantee that that ecosystem will thrive or survive. And in fact, we've seen that Slack has really doesn't give a fuck about the developer ecosystem. So, <laughs> I mean, that could be, you know, that that's where the Zoom marketplace could head as well. But we'll, we'll see. It's too early to know. So, yeah, it's it's all very interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah like... We are talking about Slack, right? So uh, I think if we are if we are talking about Slack, we have to talk about communities because all the communities exist. Not all, like, but a lot of communities exist on Slack. So yes, Slack is is a kind of uh, yeah. It's always in a, su a suggested implementation for early community. It's not a bad tool. It's just fundamentally not built for community. It's built, It's fundamentally built for the use case of internal communications, which is fundamentally at the root of community, but the business model, it doesn't match. So it's fiscally irresponsible for anyone to build a sustainable uh, community on Slack. So I, I always caution, no, I actually more than caution, I just tell people outright, don't, don't use Slack. Because at some point you're gonna want the historical archives, which is the meat and bone to a successful growing community, is historicity. How long have we been together? That's an important thing to think about in terms of the strength of a community. Think of all the great and strong communities that you've been a part of, Muhammad, and that you still are. There's a certain length of time associated with that, right? That just like, we've just been friends for 10 years. I've known him and her for whatever, right? So. Historicity creates overall context, which creates strength in a community. But when you gate it, after you cross 10,000 posts in Slack, and you say, now you need to pay us $6.67 per user per month, that fails, like the basic fundamental snuff test of what I think a community should be. So if you know that already, just eradicate it from your decision tree. Don't use it. Use Discord right or something else that's entirely free and you don't have to pay for historical archives so what's the new like what's what's the new community tool that you have been like have you, have you been exploring any tools recently uh like what do you think is the or or or, or sorry uh, let, let i mean me i've tried it, everything at this point i mean i've i'm using everwise right now for a community education course 
Um, I, that's kind of stand right on my uh, my uh, browser bar. I've got two instances of Circle. Um, one is Makers Makers Group and um, a Venture Fund, uh, oh, MakerPad and a Venture Fund. Startup School has their own one. I've got that. Indie Hackers, I've got that as a community. But I mean, I'm, I've got multiple Slacks. I've got Discord open. So there's so many different tools that I'm using every day and trying. Some I like. I've got a, you know, I run a, 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 an implementation of Discourse, the forum software that has 17,000 members. So we're, I'm a super user of that system, both as a community manager and a leader, as well as a technologist um, and engineer. Um, I mean, in my entire history as an engineer and software developer has been around community data and building communities anyway. So all the startups really that I've built have been around those types of things. And right now, even my current project, my venture funded uh, project is um, building a community platform. So I cannot seem to get rid of this. I just obsess with it. And it really is my life's work. And I'm, I love it. There's, there's a crazy sense of clarity, Muhammad that I didn't have when I was your age, but that I desperately wanted. Um, what's interesting is that when I was in my mid-20s, like, like you, I actually knew it. It's taken me 10 years to own it. And that, that would be very instructive to, a, to an earlier version of me. I don't know if I would have listened to that advice that I just gave you, but... I would say that there's a strong, there's all, you already have a very strong sense of what you should be doing with yourself. The question is, are you first doing that? Most likely not. Secondly, how do we get ourselves into that position quickly? And thirdly, who else do I need to be involved to help that transition work? If you can think through that, you can solve that, you'll be in a great spot. Yeah, that's 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 really that's really helpful. I think, like, for even for our listeners, like, I think it's about do you want to do it, like, and when? Is is I think I think for for everyone it's it's there. Like, they want to do something, but there are like risks that needs to be taken, and then, like, they just have to decide. Okay, I'm doing it. That's it. So I just go. Okay. Yeah. What's 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 really fortunate for me, Muhammad, is I learned very quickly what the bottom was. Um, I don't recommend folks intentionally trying to find the bottom, um, but if you do, you know what it is, and you know that you can survive. So right out of college, um, I met my sweetheart, and we got married right out of college. I then took two jobs, took some bad advice, long story short, took two jobs and got fired from both of them. I, I, did, I didn't make it through like 90 days on both. Um, and then my wife got pregnant three months after we got married. So I graduated in May, took a job right out of college, worst corporate culture I've ever had, got <laughs> fired, got, then got married in September of the same year started another job, got fired before the end of the year, and then she was pregnant in January. So it was like boom, boom, boom. And we had, I had 200 
in six dollars in my bank account and I had a, a new wife no job and she was pregnant so I took a job at Kinko's literally across the street like people say it was literally across the street this was literally across the street from my my apartment complex I could walk right across the two-lane highway jump into a the FedEx Kinko it was Kinko's at the time so that doesn't that doesn't exist now but it was Kinko's and I was in during that those 25 22 or 22 days mm-hmm. essentially I just planned on moving my my wife my pregnant wife um, to Texas to, to my parents in a, in, a, in a small room above my parents garage and so I took this job at Kinko's FedEx Kinko's knowing I was going to quit but just to make, make enough money just just pay for the move I then moved into a room smaller than the office I'm sitting in right now and it wasn't even a room it was just kind of this open space above my parents' garage in Austin, Texas, which they put some rug over it. It had no AC, hot as a motherfucker, okay? And there I started really my life at 22 with a pregnant woman with $200 in my bank account. That was the rock bottom. And I just sat there with my wife one evening, and I just cried. I said, I I can't believe my life is over already. She just, and so, and she just looked at me, um, and she's like, I know you'll figure it out. <laughs> I went out the very next day. I got a job at Starbucks. Um, paying me like seven eighty-five an hour or something, whatever it was. No, no, five twenty-five an hour, and typically it about seven bucks if you include tip. And I just I began to reconstruct my career. Um, that was the bottom. And so, and so for me now, how you're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable. You know, we have this incredible home here in, in Silicon Valley. My wife hasn't had to work ever. Um, even being, while being an entrepreneur for so long, I've been able to afford, you know, my kids' education. They, we've never been in want. That is what every person has. They don't need to be at the bottom to make the decisions that I made. But the bottom really helps. It gave me perspective because I was like, if I can survive fucking anything, public shame and humiliation, especially for my peers who all got jobs at Microsoft and, you know, whatever. And out of college, I couldn't even hold two jobs in the first six months, right? It's just, it was crazy. Just, I felt like I had lost, lost the, lost it everything. Total and utter complete failure. And yet from there, I was like, fuck, dude. I can do anything. Because I could always, always move back into my parents' garage. And that was so liberating. Um, and, and what I want and what I encourage other folks to do is, is to help them make strong important decisions without ever having to to do what i did to really get like my ass kicked but you know some of us we just have to go through that that's that's really like good story that like you told about what happened with you i think it's it's really it's crazy man right i i I did not in in the moment muhammad Mm -hmm. i thought my life was over i was like i can't i was like I could see nothing but darkness. It was very difficult years. 
crazy, you know, just crazy. Um, but here we are, you know, and I know that many of our listeners, many of your listeners, um, I know many of the folks in my community, we call it the universe. Many, and yet people in our community are called yenizens. Mm-hmm. So yenizens in the universe. Many of my community, like we, we know what it's like. We've been through very tough times together. Um, it makes us strong. Yeah. Well, what's what's uh, like talk to us about the community, right? Yenizens, uh, uh, like what? So you have multiple things. Uh, you, you are building communities. You are building. You you build, you have multiple newsletters and you just restarted one like you you just started a new one again. So, what's like how it is coming together? Like how is how yeah that the question like how is it coming together? Yeah yeah that's that's really it's really interesting how you describe it um, because in my head there's such a clear there's clear alignment, but from someone outside looking in it might look like an absolute fucking mess, which kind of is. All all early stage startups are like this. But this company is three years old, and I co-founded it with my, my twin brother, um, really in kind of the Q4 of 2017. We started working together in the summer of that, that year. Um, so we're three years old. We've raised a little bit more than $4 million in venture capital, um, and we're building a B2B SaaS tool. So that's really it. There's nothing very sexy about any of that. Um, now, everything in that universe is in support of the software and the tool. And so that's what I mean by, from my perspective, everything has its unique place in the constellation and the universe, the universe, the newsletter, the blog, my engagement on indie hackers or startup school, my use of Twitter my daily uploads to YouTube, all of that has a very, very, very discreet and intentional, intentionally designed role within our business strategy. And as we add to it, like a new newsletter, it's in service of a much larger business goal. Um, so after running a, a handful of companies, I'm, I, I have had the luxury of experience to be able to to design that a little bit more cogently in my head and then be able to execute that. Um, but everything is in service of a singular singular mandate. Build a profitable venture-funded business. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, you, you, you made that, like you had these three points and you said like the, your, my third point is to drive, the newsletter helps me generate the business revenue, right? And, yeah. And, and you have been doing that with multiple things and not just one thing. And that's really cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, you know, in, in the early stage, when you, when you start building things, you, you have to experiment. Not all of the, the tools, the technology, the platforms, the, the networks are going to be, are going to work. So you have to stack rank them. You have to understand and prioritize. You have to cut the ones that are, are losers and you have to spend the time and double down on the ones that are clearly affording you the results that you want. Um, you have to be incredibly devil, devil, devilishly judicious. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be a freak about it because you only have 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And somehow you're expected to get 100 hours out of that 24 hours, right? Because that's what the only weekend. Yeah. So 
every single moment, even this interview. I don't do many interviews. Are intentionally decided this would be a good use of my time given right the time that I'm going to spend in light of the, the, the business objectives that I have. Yeah. So, you know, you have to it's it's every at every point you're you're calculating. Um, which yeah, which is what a founder does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's good to it. So uh yeah, I mean uh I like I have like like a couple of questions, but like let's just try to let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, this is one of your favorite question, but let's let's do that like down the line. When let let's make that a closing questions. Uh, but uh, what what I found really interesting is you said uh, like in one of your blog you said I'm writing for an an audience of one. I'm writing for me, and it was. It it kind of it just like opened my mind where because what happens is like uh, like I've read this like multiple uh, like content like consumed where uh, it's about like do it for yourself and not for others and you have been implementing the same strategy for years so how do you do that like how can we relate that with the community building or a newsletter growing a newsletter audience yeah. Oh, that's such a good question, Muhammad. So you you have to kind of try to do both, but if you're if you are to prioritize it, you have to do it first for yourself. Now, now, why why do I why do I believe that to be true? It's because I've realized, at least for, you know, just for myself, that nothing sustainable doesn't also have some level of of significant enjoyment. In other words. If I don't like the stuff that I create, I will quit. And so if I don't enjoy my own art, if I don't actually enjoy at a fundamental level the work that I do, if I don't giggle at my own jokes or the, at the times when I drop an F-bomb, wince a little just because it might hurt my ear, if I don't feel like a, sense, a sentiment of this is what I did and I like it, You won't survive, or at least I won't. So, you have to you have to write and build and create, especially you know as an artist, you have to do it for yourself. But here's what's so cool: is when you authentically build for yourself, you authentically create a gravitational pull from of folks who are also like that. Or who want to hear those types of things, or want to see that type of art. Yep, yep. That's why entire industries around art collection exist. Who knows why? Some you know people of you know like whatever they they like, and they'll spend thousands, millions of dollars collecting a particular style. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing to say whether it's right or wrong, it, but they like it. My art are words. I am wow. a writer. And so my type of art attracts a certain type of you know, artistic enthusiast. And I'm not looking for everyone. I don't need everyone to appreciate my art. I just need a handful. I don't need 10,000. I just need a few hundred. That's how a good business starts. 
is you find a small, small, small group of dedicated believers who love your art for what it is. And you don't have to market or sell it hard. You don't have to manufacture or interest or enthusiasm. It just comes naturally. That's how great products are built. That's how great communities are born. That's how interest persists, especially for the founder or founding team. If you don't like your art, you won't survive. Yeah, such a great, uh, uh, like, it's, it's, it's great because uh, it, it resonates, like, uh, uh, what happens these days is people just, like, uh, I'm just going to talk about communities because people just talk about building communities without having to answer the question why they are building a community, right? Is it because someone else is building a community or is it just because everyone is building a community, I need to build a community, right? And that is, that doesn't make any sense, like, because, like you said, right? So you have to enjoy what you're doing. You have to, you have to, you have, you have to have fun while, while you're, you're creating a product or while, while you're building a community. And if you're not enjoying, and that's it. Like, it's yeah, I, I, that's why I use the word. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's why I use the word art. Yeah, so intentionally, because for some reason it helps folks think about it a little bit more accurately. You would never spend hours, or even your, and even especially your life, working on art that you hate. Yeah. No one would do that, right? But for some reason. A lot of folks spend a lot of time in careers that they fucking hate. And and yet they struggle with, with the most basic of questions. Why do I not like this? It's like you don't like it because it's not your art. It says nothing about ownership or you have to run your own business. That's that's not not the not the, not that's not in question. But is this the right art for you? Yeah. And that, oh man, if you can answer that. You've really unlocked, essentially, a very fundamental part of happiness. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. So I had this question where I where I want to ask like million dollars, sorry, uh, million members in a in a community in one day or hundred members a day for the next three sixty five days, right? And and it just makes sense. Like, how do you want to grow it, right? I, I don't need like I don't need like it's like it's about signal versus noise ratio wherein you just need like a small part a small portion like hundred members every day and like for the next I don't know I actually I, I read that question I could say you know it really depends hmm. I think there are, are folks who naturally want like the hundred a day just because it feels like a better even like more ethical answer but the problem is a million user of community members in a singular day also has merit. Like some of the best movements have been organic and were created via the power of the internet where you would have literally millions of folks, you know, arrive in the single geographic space to, you know, not to riot, not do anything violent, but to peacefully protest. That's fucking awesome. So, I would say both, but it depends on what the outcome is. Need what 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 the outcome is on the table, right? What where where do you want to lead these people? What is the purpose and intent? Um, 
because I think I think think both are very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Again, it 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 depends based on your objective or what the end goal is. Like you said, like it, it yeah, depends. Yeah, that's right. Both can be good. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. So, uh, uh, you have this like, uh, so you have been, you have you you love games, right? You have been playing games. Uh, uh, I read. That's how I stuck. Yeah, that's how I got into programming. Yeah. So, uh, oh, that's how you got into programming. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. I my first real software program was in basic and um back then in the 80s uh there was these 70s and 80s there's these choose your own adventure stories where you let a physical books and you would start reading and about 10 pages in it would say okay now would you like to go to the swampland or would you like to go to space if you like to go to swampland go to page 52 if you want to go to the swamp you know space go to 105 you literally then flipped that page, <laughs> so this, and it was, and so you started going down certain paths in a book, and there are three or four different outcomes. Um, it's really fun. And the first uh, program I created was a choose-your-own-adventure in Basic, and you could either go save the princess or go slay a dragon, and I thought that, that was unbelievable. It's like I can't believe I created my own story. And I could then share this with people, and they could play it. Um, and it was like the choose your own adventure stories. Like, That's so fun, crazy. And then that graduated to to building custom mods and maps for like Unreal Tournament and and Hexen and um, a bunch of old like third person shooters. Yeah, so it was video games, man. Got me into software programming. And also, uh, online communities, I, I've read it somewhere, like in, in 90s, it started, like, the role community manager was literally started by someone who was working in gaming industry for moderating all these comments and stuff, uh, I believe. Uh, and even today, like, whatever happens in any any product, right, let's just take talk about general products, whatever we see about incentivization or, or, or gamification, it all comes from, like, the games that we have been playing our, our whole life and, and 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 there are things that we can actually learn to to build or gamify like do a system where like your community has been like getting engaged a lot so like do you have some thoughts on this like how 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 as like we as a community leaders can learn from gaming oh i mean we could sit here for days I mean, I went hardcore into gaming. World of Warcraft. I was playing that since vanilla. And spent so much time where I was a class leader in a world um, rank guild. Um, and had all endgame raid gear. Like full tier sets. Oh my god. Almost ruined my marriage, to be honest. Um, so I was like clinically addicted. So, but I also learned leadership. I also learned how to manage and recruit human humans to com- to compete and to drive toward shared missions and goals. So, massively multiplayer online games like literally taught me how to manage humans. So, I I'm so grateful. Now it became an obsession, as I mentioned. Like I was so addicted that it almost ruined my marriage uh, multiple times. So I no longer play, but 
funny story kind of in between is actually one of my earliest successes as a software engineer and product designer and entrepreneur was actually a dating website for World of Warcraft players that I created in PHP and MySQL, built it over a few weeks, and then that was acquired by a much larger, larger dating conglomerate. And uh, that was my first exit and like kind of like acquisition as a startup. Um, that was back in the mid, uh, early 2000s. So a huge part of my entrepreneurial journey um, was included video games um, to a very, very significant degree. That's that's good. Uh, so, uh, like, so you have been doing uh, your newsletter daily on a daily basis. Uh, uh, and one thing that I saw was to infinity and community. Like, is there any like what what is the idea behind that? Oh my gosh, Muhammad, are you not familiar with the that phrase to infinity and? Do you know to infinity and? Do you know the other word? Beyond. Beyond, right? Buzz Lightyear, ah. <laughs> Toy Story. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was like, I'm sure you've heard of that. So now maybe there's some folks now who are too young to ever have seen those, but um, yeah, to infinity and beyond was Buzz Lightyear, and um, so I just I do infinity and community, mm-hmm. and it's just my fun little thing. I try to like th- have throwbacks as much as I can. I'm a child of the '80s, so. I just love, love, love old nostalgic things. Yeah. Right. So I've seen, I've seen people uh, like, so my close friend who is also a community professional. So what he, so he writes uh, your profession, uh, sorry, your, so you have this super uh, Spider-Man, right? Like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, oh yeah. So he writes something similar, your friendly neighborhood. <laughs> like, community manager. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's funny. I've seen that too. Yeah. Uh, so uh, okay, uh, I think uh, we like uh, let's let's like wrap this. Uh, so um, like the last question which I have is like, what is one thing you believe to be true about community that very few people agree on, and that's your question. So yeah, yeah. Oh man, there. I mean, there's so many. The first one is that the community, anyone with a community title and existing organization, should be the highest paid person on the, on the staff, outside of the CEO. Um, and that is not how it uh, exists today, uh, for certain. If they may be the most under-resourced, under-salaried, underpaid, uh, grossly overworked people on larger teams. So I think that needs to entirely flip, um, especially with the growth and importance of community in everyone's product and fundamentally their business. A, commun- a great community manager will earn a thousand x value, create a thousand x return on value um, and time invested. They should be easily the highest paid and compensated person. Um, but that's only a half step um, to solve existing problems to, uh, with pay parity. What really needs to fundamentally happen is that every person on the team is a community centric person. Every software developer, every designer, every accountant, every elite person in legal, every person in every part of the business is fundamentally community-centric. It's it's how they think. Um, And that will take time. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, when you talk about like, like, so I think there's also the quote that goes on like, "Community should have seat on the table," right? And and then what you said, it's also like the second highest paid person in the entire team apart from the CEO. Uh, so so I so I I, I worked in like community for like uh, building committees for for, like, for the last five years. I've been involved uh, directly indirectly. Uh, and what I've seen in, in a lot of job descriptions, and I've met a lot of people also, and like the job description is about customer support or the social media, and they just call it, it's a community mapping role. It's come and do the work. And that's um, <laughs> that's something like I hate whenever I see that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's beyond ignorance. It's just stupid. But it will change. It will change, and I think it will change in our lifetime. So that, that'll be good. Um, and, and, and the companies will benefit from it. So, yeah, so part of the software are, are one of the ways that I'm, I'm trying to create that future is the actual software platform that I'm building because it should become a fundamental part of uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, my, my, this camera just overheated. Uh, uh, I don't remember what I was talking about, but anyway, so yeah, so. This is about B2B business, build, uh, you're building a team. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah, part of, so part of the, excuse me, yeah, so part of how we're gonna get to that future um, is by building it. And so the software that I'm building and my company's building um, is building a community platform at the earliest stages of a company's life. life. And so if you can help an early, uh, early stage company build a community and help them survive, then you become a fundamental part of their success. And every person involved in that company will be community centric and minded as a result. Um, so that's how we're going to essentially infect the enterprise is by building a new type of community centric company. But this is not something related to discourse or the circle, uh, because you are you are trying to get it start from the very beginning of, of a company, uh, like yeah, so the company people, is just gone. Yeah, people will inevitably compare our platform to a circle or Discord, or Slack, mm-hmm. and and for and for for a lot of very um, easy and justifiable ways. But our mission is not to do what they're trying to do, um, those okay. systems we're trying to do. Our, our mission as a company is to help startups survive. And that's not Slack's mission. You know, that's not anyone's mission, you know, any of those tools mission. I need, I, I want to help the earliest formations around a new company or project. I want to give them a tool that helps grease the wheels for community development. So that you can get, so these founders, these early stage teams can get the feedback they desperately need around the product that they're building or the service that they're building. But more importantly, to build a passionate founding community around this product that will help them survive. Right? It's not about a thousand, ten thousand followers on Twitter. That's never been a metric for company success or survival, right? Oh, well, now that we you know, no company has ever said, oh, now we, we have a million followers on Twitter. We're invincible. Like, no one. 
but a business without a community, you're dead. You're just dead. So you need that fundamental ingredient and uh, our technology will help do that for, for companies. Yeah, from the day zero when it like, it's like from the day zero, you need to have that thinking of everyone who is joining and something like that. That's right. That's right. So really excited. We're yeah. making progress every week. Yeah, excited to see. I mean, I'll, I'll like, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll be like the one of the first first hundred people to kind of use your product once once it's like launched. Is it? Yeah, is it I would love. Is it already launched or under under? Done, like, no, no, we've got yeah, it's under development and we're privately testing it uh, with a few early users. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, so excited. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, where can yeah, where can our listeners go and find you, John? Yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter, yen at yen y e n for the win f t w. So at Yen FTW, or you could go to yensquad.com, um, which is just a link to our Indie Hackers posts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <coughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on, uh, John. Uh, I mean, it's it's been so exciting uh, to listen to all your stories and what you have been doing and what is your plan. Uh, all the best for you. Thanks, man. That's been fun. Let me know yeah. when it goes live. Yep, yep. And All right, dude. That's our end of the episode. Sorry.